So what week are we in our series? Three, right? Yeah? I had two. <laughs> so I was still thinking last week. Uh, so we're in our third week of our series tomorrow. Uh, we've been building in the series. So we've gone over how God is a sovereign God and how there's nothing to fear because he's always in control and he loves every single one of us. And then last week we went over worrying and how and how worries we have sh- that we should hand them over to God and let him take control. Um, if he's willing to take care of the animals around us and cares more for us than what he does for the animals, then he'll make sure that we have what we need whenever we actually do need it. Um, now, as we give our worries to God, we're going to be tested. So this week, our topic is going to be persecution. So persecution as believers should really not come as a surprise to us. Uh, we are guaranteed that we will suffer. It's what Christ did, it's what we do. Uh, our strength to endure persecution well comes from our reliance upon the Spirit of God and His Word. So last week, we wrote down one worry and placed it in the wooden box in the back. It was our symbolic gesture to give one of our worries over to God and let him take control of it. Now, afterwards, there, have been, there may have been moments where you felt like you were possibly being tempted to return back to that worry that you gave up and gave to God. Whether it was someone that you knew asking you about it or a complete stranger provoking you in a manner that would cause you to go back and start worrying, at that point you had two options. You could waver in your faith and just go back to the norm and go ahead and start worrying about that issue that you put in the box. The other option is to believe what the Bible says. You have faith, you keep moving forward and believe that God has control of everything, and you just follow God. But doing so, we have the possibility of facing persecution for standing by our belief and faith in Jesus. Today we're going to read over 2 Timothy chapter 3, where we get a depiction of what, not necessarily the last days, even though it does say that, um, are going to be like. Um, so it, it'll give an idea of some of the different areas of persecution that are actually going to be happening in the last days. And we are going to read the entire chapter. I don't know if this has been done yet. It's a little scary, a whole chapter in a service. <laughs> so, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. You should know this, Timothy, that in the last days there will be difficult, be very difficult times, for people will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, 
disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that can make them godly. Stay away from people like that. They are the kind who work their way into people's homes and win the confidence of vulnerable women who are burdened with the guilt of sin and controlled by various desires. Such women are forever following new teachings, but they are never able to understand the truth. These teachers oppose the truth, just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses. They have depraved minds and a counterfeit faith. But they won't go away with this for long. Someday everyone will recognize what fools they are, just as with Janus and Jambres. Paul's charge to Timothy is, But you, Timothy, certainly know what I teach, and how I live, and what my purpose in life is. You know my faith, my patience my love, and my endurance. You know how persecution and suffering I have endured. You know all about how I was persecuted in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystria, or Lystra. Is it Lystra? Lystra. Makes me think of Listeria or Listerine. But the Lord rescued me from all of it. Yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer prosecution. Notice, it says, everyone will. But evil people and imposters will flourish, or flourish, however you want to pronounce it. I like flowers. <laughs> uh, they will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught, You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. You have been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true. teach us what is true, and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I feel like we should throw a party now because we went through a whole chapter. (laughs) Uh, So one of the first things I want to cover is what does persecution look like here? Uh, we know that in the last days there are going to be persecution, but that doesn't mean that we don't face it now. Uh, when it comes to the last days, pastor has a great diagram of the different ages and the relations to the last days. So like the church age and so forth, um, he's laid it out in Bible study. I know he's done it during Sunday school. Um, I just can't retain 
the timeline for whatever reason. I, it just, it goes in and I'm like, ah, I get it. Then I'm like, no, I don't. Um, but if you have any interest in the different ages and how they correspond, see Pastor whenever he comes back. He, he'll draw it out for you and we should really frame it up or something. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, when we look over this entire chapter, uh, we could probably convince ourselves that at the current time, these are the last days, just from the description. Uh, in verses uh, two through four alone, um, they can convince you of such. Uh, but what if it's actually worse than what we depict in this, like what's in scripture and what we perceive? Uh, the persecution we face here now might be different to the persecution of the last days as described or what others are actually facing out in the world. Um, we might have people that ridicule us for our faith, which is a form of persecution. Uh, people place labels on us. We're too Christian. We're not Christian enough. We're told, don't talk about Jesus at school. Don't talk about Jesus at work. At times, speaking up about our faith can cause us to lose our jobs, our friends, or relatives. Um, I'm reminded a little bit of the woman in Kentucky that was sent to jail for refusing to give a gay couple a marriage license. She didn't lose her job, but I'm sure the amount of attention she received was damaging to her at times. Being jailed just for walking in our faith in Jesus can be a bit rough. The following chart from LifeWay Research from 2015 indicates that six out of 10 Americans of the 1,000 people surveyed believe religious liberty is on the decline in the US. On a decline of being able to express yourself in Jesus. And then if you want to see the whole article, at the bottom, there's a little bit.ly link. The link was much bigger, but I shortened it in case you wanted to write it down and look it up. But if you think about that, 60% of the people surveyed believe they can't freely express their religious beliefs. That can be stifling. One of the things that God has blessed me with is, at work, I don't have to worry about that sort of thing so much. Um, the shirts that we make for a sports camp, I wear them routinely at work. Um, some people may not be able to do that sort of thing. Um, but whenever people notice me, they're like, oh, he's wearing a religious shirt. He follows Christ. Let me talk to him and try and stump him. Or sometimes it's like, hey, let's bond over this. Um, but e either way, it starts to good discussion between uh, like a group of people sometimes like sometimes an entire room gets involved in the discussion um, but not everyone has that setting where you're able to be like hey I want to talk about Jesus or I want to display my faith in Jesus so openly but the to me, those seem a bit mild compared to the persecution that people face elsewhere. So there's a book called I Am N from 2015. 
The book details some of the experiences that others have faced in Iraq's largest city, or second largest city in Mosul. When ISIS moved into the northern Iraq, they began marking Christian properties using paint with the Arabic letter Nun, or N. The single letter identified the property and those living in it as Nazarenes or followers of Jesus of Nazareth. Doesn't seem too bad, right? They just spray paint that. Not a big deal. But there's a problem with that over there because these are Christians primarily living in a Muslim-dominated community. Then on top of that, you have ISIS invading the community, and now they have extremists occupying the location. So with this one label on the property, the people inside only have a couple options. They pay a higher tax rate, which having a higher tax rate may not seem like an issue until you find out that you can't work. You can't do anything. Because the Muslim community is so tied together and they rely on each other for work that if you're on the outside, you can't do anything. So the higher tax rate may seem like, ah, it's not too bad, I'll go ahead and take that chance until you can't work anymore. Now you can't pay the tax rate. So what happens after you can't pay the tax rate? Convert to Islam or leave. Well, what if I don't want to leave? Beheaded. Gone. So anyone that chooses to be a Christian in Mosul pays a high cost. Since, the, since 2003, the persecution that Iraqi Christians have faced has forced more than a million of them to flee. A million people leaving their homes because they want to follow Christ. They refuse to renounce Jesus and the Bible. Many of them live in refugee camps, trusting God for food, shelter, safety. There is no option for work, no money, no place to go. And even more disturbing is that it's not a temporary situation for them. They can't get work, so naturally there's no way to improve. Like whenever we think of the U.S. and the community, it's like there's always an opportunity to improve. Uh, I forget the slogan that we tend to say, like about being able to reach whatever heights you want but they don't have that option. I'm sure it would be tempting to announce Jesus in the Bible just to be able to get by. But they're courageous and steadfast. They have a commitment to God in the face of persecution. And I think it provides all of us with a picture of what it's like to follow Jesus whenever everything isn't going your way. Whenever everything is stripped from you, they show what it is to follow Jesus. 
to put it into Paul's words from Philippians 1, 21, it says, for me, or did I put for to me? Oh, that is right. For to me. Living means living for Christ and dying is even better. So what if the biggest worry you wrote down to hand to God wasn't what you put down? What if the biggest worry you had was to live for Jesus? <laughs> to live for Jesus. That's the kind of worry that we really don't face here. But can you imagine if it was? We may not be able to freely express our faith at work or at school, but when we go home or out into the community, we do have the option to express our beliefs. But what if our situation was flipped and we faced the same persecution that the Iraqi Christians did? Would it make you think twice to proclaim yourself as a follower of Jesus? Would you be willing to carry your Bible around openly? As you dive deeper into following Jesus, would you read the Bible more often or with more intent, driven more than what you do now? One of the great things about the Bible is that we get to see some of the persecution that others went through, and we get to receive the insights of how to deal with them. And in Luke 12, uh, verses 11 and 12, Jesus encourages us, uh, encourages us that the Spirit in us will help us in our moment of need, during persecution, when he says, and when you were... And when you are brought to trial in the synagogues and before rulers and authorities, don't worry about how to defend yourself or what to say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. So even though the situation may be rough to deal with, we can always take comfort in knowing that Jesus is there with us every step of the way. In her book, The Hiding Place, Cory Ten Boom shares a memory from her childhood days whenever she was a little girl and was worried about being able to stand up persecution one day. And her father says, Corey, when you and I go to Amsterdam, when do I give you your ticket? And her response was, well, just before we get on the train. Kind of like, why are you asking me that? And her father says, exactly. And our wise father in heaven knows when we're going to need things, too. Don't run out ahead of him. When the time comes that some of us will have to die, you will look into your heart and find the strength you need just in time. As we face the different trials that we have, Jesus will give us what we need in that time. The different trials and persecutions we may face might not look similar. But one thing we can always count on is Jesus is always going to be there with us. There is a Chinese preacher named Brother Yun, or Yun, it's probably Yun, just based off the U and the pronunciation. Um, 
who became a believer at 16. He miraculously received the Bible after fasting and praying for a Bible of his own for a hundred days. Fasting and praying for a Bible for a hundred days. That's intense. After he received his Bible, he memorized the book of Matthew. After that, he went on to memorize a chapter a day of the Bible. He was imprisoned, arrested many times for doing what I'm doing now, just preaching. He relied on his memory of scripture to strengthen himself and other prisoners during his long and torturous periods of imprisonment. His book, The Heavenly Man, is a great resource to read about his life and ministry if you're interested in it. Thinking about how Brother Yoon pursued Jesus and the Word, do you feel inspired to do the same? There is a movie that I really like called The Book of Eli. I don't suggest most people watch it. It's more of a secular movie, I would say. Um, But I'm a sucker for Denzel Washington. (laughs) But he plays an individual that has the last Bible on earth. So it's depicted in the last days. He has the Bible. And he doesn't know where he's going. All he knows is that God is telling him to head west. And that's all you can do is head west, try and keep his head low, try not to get in harm's way. And eventually, he gets to where he's going, but in the process, he loses the Bible that he had. But throughout the entire movie, you get to see him reading his Bible all the time, reciting scripture as he walks through the different persecutions that he faces. Whenever he reaches the destination that he's going to, without a Bible, he's like, what do I do? And it's like, wait, I got this and you see him start from Genesis and start reciting the entire Bible from his heart. If your Bible was taken from you tomorrow, how much of it could you recite? How much of it is in your heart? Most of us have smartphones. I have mine in my back pocket. If you knew there was a day when you wouldn't have free access to it the way we do now, would it change the way you read it now? You guys are getting out early today. One of the most popular worship songwriters currently is Matt Redman. Uh, He wrote a song called You Never Let Go. Uh, The song talks about the perspective of choosing not to be afraid of others in light of who God is for us. Whether we're being labeled, oppressed, persecuted, God will always be with us, giving us what we need when we need it most. In the song, You Never Let Go, the chorus says, I will fear no evil, for my God is with me. And if my God is with me, then... 
whom shall I fear? So let us not fear what others may think or do for us, believing in Jesus and trusting in him. Instead, let us just focus on Jesus, spreading his gospels to everyone around us. And with that, let us pray. And then Ryan has that song that we can listen to and everyone can go and spread Jesus' word and his love. Okay, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you uh, so much for the blessings that you've given to us and all the different opportunities. Um, Help us to grasp and take hold of the reins of being able to spread your word and your gospel and not being afraid of being a martyr for you and to just let everyone know about your word and our hearts and our minds go over to the people in other countries that don't have the freedoms that we have in being able to worship you and glorify you the way that you deserve, just like the seraphim in the throne room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.